0: All right, everybody, welcome aboard the dragon. The Orbital Zombie Dragon, where we talk about all things sci-fi, horror, and fantasy, particularly from a story writing aspect, although reviews are part of it, and also trying to give you some writing tips. I am your host, Captain Richard Boomzilla Pippin. Check out our Facebook uh, page, our website, orbitalzombiedragon.com. You'll see uh, stuff about the show there. You can also listen to the episodes there if you choose to. Uh, Also, there's like a contact page where if you want to email me, you know, something you maybe would like to hear on the show, let me know about it. I'd love to hear from you guys. That being said, like I said, we're settling the pirate ship down into low Earth orbit for another weekly transmission. And uh, I'd like to uh, address the the pirate ship issue. You know, uh, some people might think of pirates as the bad guys. And that's why sometimes I prefer to use the term in mixed company of, uh, you know, I'm an alternative delivery method expert. In other words, the goods are still going to get somewhere. They're just going to get somewhere by a different way. (laughs) But anyway, the goods I have for you today, once again, this is Horror Month. This is episode two of Horror Month. So we don't cover all the, uh, the genres today like I normally would. Just all horror. And every week I pick a theme. Today, the goods I have smuggled down to earth for you is about ghost and haunting stories. Ghost. And the reason I'm saying ghost slash haunting stories is that it's sort of like when we talked about teen screen last week. It's not always just a ghost. Um, people can be haunted by many things besides ghosts. They can be haunted by the past, things they've done, things they've seen, things they've said that they can't, you know, take back, uh, particularly to uh, a loved one that's died. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you can be haunted by regrets. Uh, I guess that's a, a, another word for what I just said. And so, so a lot of these movies sometimes will lead you down a certain path, uh, will lead you down this path where you, where you think there's a supernatural element, and sometimes it turns out there's not. There's actually an explanation for it. And a lot of times it was the person's own guilt or or, or, or things they were being haunted by uh, just manifesting for them. And other times it really is a ghost. So, I'm gonna already need my engine degreaser here. Hold on one second, guys. Ah, good old engine degreaser. Help me perk me up for the show here. Uh, I like to talk about when I talk about horror. Uh, I like to think about uh, what it is that brought this type of fiction into existence. Ghost stories have existed for a very long time. You know, probably since the you know the dawn of man. They've had this idea of the, the dead coming back. To haunt us? And what is it that scares us about ghost stories? I sort I like to look at each kind of subgenre of horror and go, why does this type of horror exist? What is it about this that scares us? And of course, the obvious answer with ghost stories is that it kind of shows us our own mortality and the mortality of the, the people we love. Uh, you know, how that, uh, how that haunts us. You know, the people that are gone and still have an influence over us. I would say uh, if you don't, if you guys don't know me personally, no, I know I have some personal friends that do listen to the show. I I would sometimes say that I am a fairly haunted person. I'm not sure I would say I'm a very haunted person, but I'm definitely a haunted person, haunted by a lot of the things that uh, I just spoke about. And uh, excuse me for getting a little bit too personal with you guys, but. You know, I've had a lot of loved ones die, and that influence uh, that they had over me is still there. It still lingers. I, I personally don't really believe in uh, the supernatural or ghosts, uh, I, I, but at the same time, I am haunted by them. <laughs> but I, I know also that these ghosts, uh, you know, what would they do without me is what the phrase I sometimes say. All these ghosts, what would they do without me? Because they honestly wouldn't exist Without me, they they exist through me. Doesn't make them any less real. Um, one of the one of my favorite books was Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and the uh, author of that, Robert Persig, had a phrase he said in there. He said uh, he didn't like the phrase "ghosts exist only in the mind." He he didn't, and what he didn't like about that phrase was he didn't like the word "only." Only is an exclusive term, and it kind of implies that they don't really exist. You know, it's just all in your head. It doesn't really exist. But things in your head exist. Mathematics exists. It only exists in your head. So what Robert Persick said, he'd like to remove the word only from that sentence to make it a better sentence. Ghosts exist in the mind. And that's what I believe. (laughs) That being said, I really do enjoy ghost fiction and uh, ghost movies. Uh, It's one of my favorite brands of horror. Like I said, I'm not too much into the gory stuff, although I will watch it for, you know, a fun sort of uh, blast ride sort of thing to, you know, that visceral thrill of, you know, or or fear of uh, (laughs) having violence committed against uh, yourself or other people, you know. But uh, I prefer the creepiness, and ghost stories often have that atmospheric creepiness that I really like in horror. So I'm kind of excited about this episode. I've got a few different uh, shows I picked out for you. I'm actually, I think I'm only going to cover two things today, but one of them is going to be pretty long. I'm going to try, tre- try and keep a tight, you know, 45 minutes today, uh, saving some room for my special Halloween episode. <laughs> but uh, I am excited about this episode in particular about the, the second. want to save the best for last, like I usually do, the second topic I want to talk about. So the first one is a kind of example i would talk about, about, you know, sometimes... The ghost is um, not real or whatever <laughs> without giving too much away. Uh, not, not, no, I'm not going to say it's not real, but sometimes ghosts exist in the mind. And uh, the title pretty much in, implies this. I kind of went into this expecting a certain thing. But anyway, this is a 2018 film called Delirium, uh, starring Topher Grace. And of course, you know from that 70s show, but if you want something genre, I found this interesting. He played uh, Eddie Brock. Uh, Slash Venom for a Spider-Man 3 movie, which now there is a Venom movie currently in the theaters uh, starring Tom Hardy as that same Eddie Brock, you know, the first host of Venom character. So that's something genre, too, for Grace has been in. You also have Genesis Rodriguez as Lynn. She voiced, she does a lot of voice acting. I don't know that I've ever seen her in anything uh, like live action before. But she did the voice of Honey Lemon from Big Hero 6 both the movie and the TV show, which was really good. And if you go look up our IMDb page, there is a ton of uh, voice acting credits there. You also got Callan Mulvey as Alex, who played uh, Jack Rollins in the current MCU uh, universe of films. Hail Hydra. <laughs> if you don't know who Jack Rollins is, he was one of the you know, big uh, uh, Hydra agents. And uh, you also have in here, I wanted to mention, I normally only try to keep my cast list to three to for brevity, but I also want to mention here Patricia Clarkson as Brody. And you probably have seen her in a bunch of stuff lately. She's been in a ton of stuff lately. Something genre, she played Ava Page in that Maze Runner series of movies as the leader of Wicked. Wicked is good. <laughs> and Patricia Clarkson is good. And actually, Patricia Clarkson, I will say, is my booty alert for the week. <laughs> she's, uh, you know, she's getting up there in age. She's uh, 58 years old, but she's still hot. I love me some Patricia Clarkson. So uh, keep rocking it, Patricia. You, uh, <laughs> you are a badass, especially in this movie. She's a badass in the, uh, you know, is the leader of Wicked and the Maze Runners, too. And she's a badass in this. And she's uh, um, she's also, if you don't know, from New Orleans. I didn't know this until recently. She's a New Orleans native, and I think her family was involved in politics in the area at some time. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, you know, before I became an alternative delivery method expert, uh, you know, in, in the galaxy here, I used to, uh, you know, I came from South Louisiana, not too far from New Orleans. So <laughs> it's nice to see, a, a, you know, a local girl. Uh, made good you know she uh she's up there now i think she was in that sharp object show on hbo she's been a ton of stuff lately so good on you patricia you're this week's booty alert you're still looking great hope you keep making more movies (laughs) anyway this movie the setup is topher grace plays tom and tom is in an asylum And at first, you don't know why. It kind of tells you through the course of the story. He's in an asylum because of something bad that happened to him and his brother or something bad that they did when they were uh, pretty young. And uh, you get the idea that the brother's in prison and he went to the asylum, like a lesser charges sort of thing. And he's obviously got, you know, severe mental issues on medication. Anyway, you first meet him in the movie. It's the day of his release the doctor gives him a nice big mm-hmm. bottle of pills. He's going to be on 30 days probation. His uh, father unfortunately didn't get to see him get released. He committed suicide like the day before and now Tom presumably is the heir to the fortune and the big house because the uh, you know the brother the other brother is in jail is <laughs> in prison. He has to go live in the house. He's under house arrest. He has to wear a little ankle bracelet thing. He's got this weird phone device That just randomly checks in on him from the uh, parole officer, and he's supposed to go there and answer, look into the camera and smile and state his name so that they know he's there in the house. And, of course, the ankle bracelet will alert him if he goes too far outside the house. Also, like the the parole officer can just randomly drop by, check him out, see if he's screwing up and needs to go back into the asylum. And that parole officer is uh, Brody, played by Patricia Clarkson. And she's pretty uh, tough, badass. Although I will say she is a, uh, she's kind of a twisted character in this. She is not a good person, a corrupt uh, parole officer. But that being said, without spoiling too much, she gets what she deserves mm-hmm. in the end of this movie. <laughs> so anyway, he's alone in the house. He's isolated. The uh, the Genesis Rodriguez character is the local the grocery store delivery girl. That's how he meets her. Of course, he's been in you know an asylum for twenty years. has not had uh, much chance for any type of relationship with uh with ladies, and uh, he's starting to you know kind of have a crush on her. All that stuff. She shows up with the groceries every week or whatever, and uh, he starts when he's alone and uh, off his meds and all that. He starts seeing things around the house, you know, like the ghost of his father, the ghost of his father's dog, and he starts wondering what's real and what's not. You know, what's uh, caused by his lack of medication, you know, that sort of thing. And, of course, you're kind of left wondering that, too. This is a classic example of an unreliable narrator film. You can't really trust anything that Topher Grace's character, Tom, is showing you or that he sees because he's crazy. He's on (laughs) and he's off his medication. But it's got a a really uh, it's a really taut, tense movie. The brother uh, escapes from prison stages this uh, this fire where he burns another prisoner that's about his size so that everybody thinks he's dead but he's actually escaped and he's come to the house now searching for supposedly some money that's hidden there and there's a lot of confrontation between them about their past and, and of course their present situation and you through the course of this you find out what happened that landed them in the asylum in the prison you know respectively but there's a lot of really tight tense thriller moments. I will tell you this, I really enjoyed this film. I saw that it was highly reviewed, and it was a fairly new film, so I'm like, I really want to watch this. I hadn't seen Topher and Grayson anything in a long time, so I'm going to give this a shot. And it was. It was really good. Very taut, tense, and uh, especially towards the end, of course, you know, leading up to the, uh, you know, the, uh, the final resolution of everything, the climax. Uh, it was a very satisfying movie. And it's not one of those that leaves you guessing at the end, like at the end, you do find out if everything was real or wasn't. They don't leave you hanging. And it's a very satisfying ending, I will say. Very good ending. Not a cheesy ending in any way. It's not like, oh, he won and he got the girl. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's it's a little bit of a shocker ending. And uh, it it ends appropriately there. You know, they're kind of walking out the survivors. I won't say who. (laughs) Walking out. Uh, a little shell-shocked from what just happened to them as the police arrive, which is kind of a classic ending to this type of thriller movie. The help doesn't arrive until it's way too late, and you just see the, the shell-shocked survivors there. <laughs> but uh, that being said, I really have nothing negative to say about this film. It was really good. It was well put together. All the acting is great. Love to see Genesis Rodriguez. Some more in uh, some live-action stuff, although she does great Voiceover over So the other thing I want to talk about today, and again, I'm going to try and keep it tight. I'm trying to get too distracted today and keep it tight 45 minutes today. <laughs> is uh, just got released on Netflix like just yesterday. And it's called The Haunting of Hill House. Not to, uh, not to be confused with the old uh, Vincent Price movie. It had a slightly different title and is based on a completely different story. The Haunting of Hill House was based on a 1959 novel by Shirley Jackson. And uh, it was adapted into movies before. Two movies, just uh, the title was shortened to The Haunting. Probably not so that people wouldn't get confused with the Vincent Price film, because the names are very similar. Um, So just called The Haunting. The original one was in 1960, roughly roughly something. I forget. (laughs) This is nineteen sixties movie I want to say sixty three but I, I don't know I don't have that in my notes so anyway, uh that one was supposedly was very true to the book and uh was uh, you know highly uh well received and then they had another one I think in ninety nine with Liam Neeson and Owen Wilson, and that one was not good. I did see that one. I don't think i no I've never seen the nineteen sixties version. I may have to watch it now, but the uh, the ninety nine version was uh, pretty pretty lame. <laughs> Yeah, Liam Neeson. I think uh Catherine Zeta-Jones and uh, almost that latest name, Lily something. Lily. Oh God, I don't know why. I can't think of that. And and then Owen Wilson. And it was just bad. It was like over the top with uh imagery and over the top, overly powerful supernatural elements. <laughs> kind of like what I was talking about with Truth or Dare. At some point, if the entity is that powerful, it seems like you'd be uh beneath its attention. You know, like I wouldn't be concerned with you at all. I need to adjust my levels here a second, guys. There we go. That's better. So anyway, this movie is, I would say, loosely based on that book and the previous films. The house is the same, you know, the, the hill house and the, uh, a lot of the character names are the same. But is, this is not really so much a, a remake as it is like a reimagining, like a modern reimagining of the entire story. And uh, I've only, there's 10 episodes were just released yesterday. I managed to get through uh, three of them. They're an hour long each. So I did three hours of watching on this. I definitely plan on watching the rest of it. And I'll probably update you more on what I got, what what I think about it uh, as I, when I finish it, probably after a uh, horror month. <laughs> but uh um, Like I said, this is a a modern reimagining. And to me, it's, uh, I think if they had just redone the original, it may not have, may not resonate with people today. I mean, that was kind of an old story about this old uh, industrialist that built this house and he kind of had some weird uh, eccentricities. And, you know, uh, a paranormal investigator goes to check out the house. And uh, it's, I don't know if that's, uh, well, I don't know. They still have stories like that. Paranormal investigators going in to check it out. But uh, this to me is a much better story. I'm going to get into why. Anyway, this is 2018 Netflix series just launched yesterday. You can watch like Netflix tradition watch all 10 episodes today if you want to. If you have 10 hours on your hands, you know, plus break times and meal times and all that. It'd be a full day for you if you really want to binge watch it today. But uh, it's starring Henry Thomas, you know, Alia from E.T. as the young Hugh Crane. You know, I'm not going to list everybody because this has a huge cast. I'm going to limit this to uh, a few and maybe mention a few others. But uh, interestingly enough, we're going to get into this, uh, this thing here where this writer, Mike Flanagan, that created this show, reused a lot of these actors from his, uh, his, his previous movies. So you got Henry Thomas, who was in Ouija Origin of Evil, which is really good. You should watch that. Uh, he plays the young Hugh Crane. Every one of these is two timelines in the story, like from you know 20 years ago and the current timeline. So you have young and old versions of each of the characters that are involved in the story. Henry Thomas is the young Hugh Crane, the guy who bought the house. And they changed it here. Hugh Crane did not build the house like in the book he uh, or have it built. He had it... Uh, He's bought it now, and he's trying to fix it up and sell it. And he's moved his family in while he's doing it. Uh, you also have Elizabeth Risa. Risa as uh, Shirley Crane, one of his daughters. She plays the, the old version, children, uh, Shirley Crane, the older version, who is also in uh, Ouija Origin of Evil. We're gonna, you're going to hear this a lot in the next few minutes here. And you also have Kate Siegel as Theodora Crane, who was in two movies that Mike Flanagan wrote. Uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil, and Hush. She was the main character in Hush. Mike Flanagan wrote uh, some other really great horror films that you should check out. Oculus, like I just mentioned, Hush, and Ouija, Origin of Evil. All three of them really great horror movies that you should watch. And like I said, I think he started this project and said, I know all these actors have done really well for me before. Hey guys, you want to come do a movie with me? And they were like, yes. So (laughs) here we go. Now we have Haunting of Hill House. And I'll say this, this Mike Flandon guy is a uh, a really good uh, horror writer for film. I don't know if he's written any books, but as far as film goes, this guy is the shit. He is really good at uh, this type of story. This is a good example also of people being haunted by more than just a ghost. This is throughout what I've seen so far, these first three episodes. There's, you know, there's, at least seems to be so far, real ghosts, real supernatural influence in the house. But these people are also haunted by their past, their interactions with their, uh, their dad and each other, and uh, harsh things that were said. And all of them, all of the siblings, that you, when you see them when they're older, they're all screwed up somehow from the experience in the house. This is kind of the setup of the story. They all live in this house when they were younger when their dad and their mom was fixing it up. And then just so far, what we've learned is one night the dad just gathers up all the kids, makes them go into the car and, and just get out of the house, never to return. In the middle of the night, just waking them all up, go to the car, lock yourself in the car. And they're like, where's mommy? And he doesn't want to say anything, but turns out uh, mommy has uh, committed suicide inside the house. And he just, whatever he's seen, whatever is haunting him, he wants everybody to the house. And in fact, you see a couple scenes in there where they're talking about selling the house to recover some of his money. And he's like, no, I'm going to hold on to this house forever. I want to make sure nobody ever lives there again because he's so horrified by what happened there, what what he saw there. And so far, you're getting little snippets, little details of kind of what happened as as children to them. And uh, also what's going on in their lives now. And all of them uh, <laughs> went with maybe the exception of one, all turned out a little uh screwed up from what happened. You got the youngest one, Nell, who's kind of, you know, crazy and, you know, she's the one that saw a lot of the, the ghosts, presumably in the in the early days when they were kids there. And uh nobody believed her and everybody thought she was, you know, she was asking for help and nobody helped her, nobody believed her. And now she's uh you know, she's got some mental issues that uh kind of renders her uh, not a productive <laughs> person in society. And uh you have the uh the oldest brother Steve, who has basically made a career now out of writing uh books about, you know, true hauntings, which he started with uh his own story. Now he is like me, he never never believed, never saw any of the ghosts or anything. So all of his ghost stories are about what other people have seen, what they've told him, including his first book about the haunting of Hill House. And this caused a good num- uh, good amount of contention between him and his siblings. He's basically kind of, I guess you could say, made money off of their pain. Uh, there's you know conflict about it. He offered them all money from the proceeds, and some of them took it. Some of them didn't, you know, out of principle. But you'll get all that in the first three episodes. I'm not going into too much detail in that. Another one of the daughters, uh, Theodora, she is a child psychologist now and seems... I mean, she's successful in her career, but she seems maladjusted too. She has a thing about touching people. You know, always wears gloves and all that, and she seems very closed off uh, emotionally from most people. Kind of cut off from her body, doesn't uh, isn't easily able to make a connection with other people. And you, you find out why that uh, occurred too. And then you have the uh, the younger brother, Luke who has uh, been in and out of rehab, drug problems, alcohol problems, presumably, all kinds of things. So the point is, they've all turned out kind of screwed up from what happened to them. And over the course of the movie, through flashbacks and showing you the backstory, it kind of explains how they got to where they are now and why they would ever, in their right mind, ever want to go back to that house. I assume we're getting to that at some point. Haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, but I can kind of see the direction they're headed. They, they don't want to just go like, let's all go back to the house with no explanation as to why in the world they would do that. You, I think by the time it does that, the way this story is being constructed, you're going to know why, and it's going to fit with the characters. This is just good, all good examples of good horror story writing right here. I can't uh, recommend this show enough. I said I'm three episodes in, I'm hooked, and this just has... Everything good about this genre because it's not just about the ghosts, it's about or the house, the haunting, or whatever. It's about the characters. It's very personal, it's very emotional. All the interrelations between them, like I said, episode three reveals why uh, Theodora is always wearing uh, gloves and doesn't want to touch people. You find out why, and it's a uh, very, you know, very real, very personal, emotional. And I'd say it's very unflinching. Uh, view at the uh, the personal horror that these people uh, experienced and, and see. This is the real shit right here. It's going to make you feel it. Uh, you should definitely wa- start watching this show if you haven't already. Like I said, it just launched yesterday. Uh, I, like I said, I'm going to plow through the other seven episodes at some point this week. I probably won't be reviewing it in its entirety uh, next week because um, it's our week. I have a new theme for next week. It won't be ghosts and haunting stories again. It'll be something else, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, definitely watch this show. It's well done. The acting is great. The child actors that play the young versions of them are great. I think a few of them were in a few of uh, Mike Flanagan's films. Uh, But they're all really good. And it's a great story. Uh, this is one, if you're a writer, to sit down with a notebook and watch and go, oh, this is why it's constructed this way. This is how you do this when you want to uh, tell this kind of story. This is a great movie. Netflix. I always find Netflix originals are kind of hit or miss, about 50-50. Some of them are kind of not you know, totally forgettable. And other times they just hit it out of the park. I guess a lot of it depends on. The people involved, from what I've heard, Netflix has always just been kind of a, hey, you've got an idea. Well, we like it. We're going to give you the money and step back. They give, they, what I've heard is they give their people total creative freedom. You make the movie you want and we'll put it up and see how it does. Like I said, sometimes that turns out great like this, sometimes not so great, but this one is one of the good ones. Definitely watch this. So what else I want to talk to you about today? Oh yeah. Uh, I will be bringing back uh, Boomzilla book reviews on the Orbital Zombie Dragon YouTube page. I'm reading a ghost haunting story right now by a a very prolific uh, indie writer that writes these type of stories named uh, Darcy Coates. And it's one of our most recent ones. It's called The Caro Haunt. And I'm I'm about about 20% of the way through reading that one. So maybe at some point this week or towards the end of this week, I'll actually finally up a book review video and try to keep that going i think that's just going to be i'm not going to try and schedule that weekly because i am as much as i love to read i am a slow reader okay (laughs) so i hate to say every week i'm going to do a book review It's because it's probably not going to happen i'm just going to do a book video every time i finish a book that's how i'm going to do it and it could be one week it could be three weeks uh i'm not a person who skims books or speed reads or just power reads. I don't listen to audiobooks because I get too distracted. So uh, I just kind of read at my own pace. And I like to really, it's kind of the difference to me. Some people like to really chew and enjoy their food. And some people like to just get the calories in and get back to what they were doing. And I'm a very much chew my book sort of reader. (laughs) Like I like to, I'll go back and reread paragraphs like, wait a minute, what did that mean? I really like savor. Uh, the story so it makes me a slow reader what can I say I'm a good reader (laughs) I love to read but I'm just uh, terribly slow at it I know people that read a a book a day or a book every two or three days and then that's just not me I I can't do (laughs) I suppose I could if I really just sat and like read for eight hours straight or something like that but who's got time for that right (laughs) So we'll be bringing back Booms in the Book reviews. I'll be sure to mention it again on the show when I finally do publish the videos. So hopefully uh, you'll get a view of me. I'm trying to get back in shape so I look a little better in the camera. So, <laughs> you know, I've you know, been living the easy life out here in space a little bit too much there. So let me get back into all the adventure and get in shape. <laughs> uh, okay, writing tips for today. Uh, this is actually kind of based on what I've told you about the haunting of Hill House, or or not no not what I've told you so far. What I've seen in the haunting of Hill House. One of the big tips I can give to people, or, or what I see about a lot of people, and I made this mistake myself with one of my first manuscripts that I started writing and I eventually trashed it and started it over again, is there is this temptation to tell everything, tell the reader everything. Uh, you know I first meet a character and like, "Oh, yeah, he was uh kind of short with this person, but he's been like that since uh since he and his wife split because of an affair he had with this the school teacher and blah, you know too many details uh It's better to as always show don't tell." If you have a person that's got a tense relationship, you don't want to, in in the first paragraph when you meet these two characters, to give them a rundown like textbook history of why their relationship is the way it is. You show the tension between them in the conversation. Let people kind of guess as to the cause. And then as the story unfolds, you reveal little snippets to them. Oh, this is why he's so tense around this person, or they don't get along, or, you know... uh, it's, it's more about allowing the readers to discover it on their own than to just just slam them with it full, full force right in the beginning. You know, that's part of the magic of storytelling. I always say it's kind of an agreement between the writer and the reader is the reader, you know, says, I want to be entertained. And the writer says, I want to entertain you. And there's ways to do that. <laughs> there's ways to, for both sides uh, to live up to that agreement. For the reader to read and enjoy, for the writer to uh, present the things in a way that the, the reader wants uh, them to be presented to. It's kind of a mutual, like, symbiotic relationship. <laughs> what I'm saying is give the readers what they want. They want a little mystery. They want to discover. They want to have an aha moment where they go, oh, that's that's, what, oh, man, this story really came together. That's how this happened. You know, it's it's the the payoff in the story, little payoffs and then big payoffs and the climax and all that. So that's one of my biggest tips is um, is is that don't don't show them everything right off the bat. Show them little snippets, little indicators, not necessarily the whole just block information. Here you go, because then it reads like an encyclopedia. One <laughs> uh, one writer gave me a tip. It's uh it's related to this. And it was a really good tip. He said, the writer needs to know the whole story. Everything that happens to every character, every place, and every setting needs to know the whole entire 100% of the story and why this person is the way they are, their whole back history. You have to know it all as the writer, but you only show the reader 10% of it. And that was a pretty profound (laughs) tip. And it's true. It works. I'll probably go into a little more detail on this at some point in a future episode. (laughs) Uh, But that's a really good tip to me. Know everything, show 10%. Maybe in the next book you show a little bit, like another 10% if it's part of a series. And uh, I'm telling you, the reader will love to come along for that ride and discover the story. And you don't want to just go like, here's the whole story. It's like reading a synopsis and going like, well, I don't need to read that. Now I know everything that happens. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just yeah. You know, the art of the tease, I guess, is part of it. <laughs> so that's my pretty easy, simple writing tip today. I guess that's all I have today. I was trying to run forty-five minutes, but we're probably running about forty today. Like I said, I'm I'm trying to save a little a uh, little bandwidth, a little room for the end of the month. Like I said, I'm going to do a special Halloween Day episode. It'll probably be a shorter, like thirty-minute episode or so. I'm going to talk about what. I think, is the best uh, horror movies of 2018 so far at that point. I'm not going to try and conjecture. as the stuff that's coming out later in the year. Might beat out something on my list. I'm just going to say, as of October 31st, 2018, this is the best thing. Maybe I'll do a rolling year, like from October 31st of set 2017. That's a better idea, because then you got a whole year of material. Between October 31st of 2017... It's so October 31st of 2018. <laughs> How about that? We'll do a rolling year every year on Halloween Day, and I'll give you the, the, what I think is the best horror movies in that year's span of time. I think that's even better than my original idea. So again, check out our uh, website. Orbitalzombiedragon.com You can listen to the show there Find out other things about the show I'm planning on doing a revamp of the website Check out the Facebook page Instagram Please also if you like the show Rate and review us on iTunes Or wherever you listen to podcasts Next week's theme is Demons and Devils Pretty excited about that But now it's time to drop out of Little Earth orbit, Go back on another galactic adventure Dragana Take us out See you in one week